0: So my full name is Daniel Marks Cohen, and I'm born and raised in New York City, and I'm class of 1988. I grew up on the Upper West Side, and I live 10 blocks from where I grew up. (laughs) I am the only one of all of my close friends who still lives in the same neighborhood that they grew up. That crosses all all schools, not just (laughs) Bronx Science, but elementary school. Everyone else that I ever knew um, has moved away from there. Their neighborhood. I don't know anybody who still lives in the same neighborhood they grew up in as a kid.
1: Isn't that strange? That's a, I
0: mean, it's it's, it's the of nature those... of real estate, perhaps. Mm. So I work in affordable housing now, so I'm aware of the enormous pressures that yes. neighborhoods that were, you know, sort of safe and maybe not super desirable are now unbelievably desirable, and it's priced out a lot of people in right. the city.
1: Yeah, so I would definitely want to get into that. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. What do you remember, if anything, about your first day at science, or first couple days? So I don't
0: know if I, I can recall the first day, but I do remember uh, a sense of, of freedom, both intellectual freedom, mm-hmm. because the school had this vaunted reputation, yeah. and also the, the just the physical size of it. I mean, it's a it's a big space, and I I had come from a somewhat cramped space before in school, so... I, it's like I could breathe openly. It was really marvelous in that way. I remember my freshman year, just making friends and feeling like I could define who I thought I was, rather than having being defined by somebody else or other people. And that was really, really important to me and yeah. healthy.
1: So, in that process of defining who you are, obviously, that's an ongoing process. That. Is super intense in those four years because you're trying, you know, at least for me, I was trying on different identities basically. If you were to describe, like, let's say a couple years into science, like, what was your little corner of the school? Where did you hang out? What were you guys doing?
0: It's funny because a lot of people tended to try and define themselves by the groups that they connected to, and they were, there was like the, the, guys were all into rush, which was kind of big, the band uh, <laughs> when I was in high school. Bunch
1: of rush heads and bunch of rush heads, of the rush heads.
0: And, and there were like metalheads and the and there were the frisbee gods <laughs> and the handball <laughs> handball guys and 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 there were the stoners and it's funny, I didn't necessarily feel that I, I belonged to any of them. Mm-hmm. I felt kind of like I belonged to all of them. I, I that was the thing that was special about science is that even though we were categorized in different groups and they were like the folks from the Queens who took the Gagnon buses and, right. and the kids from uh, from Manhattan who who took the subway. I, I still felt the sense of connection because we were all science sides. Like right. there was a tremendous pride mm-hmm. in in being in science. And the I mean at the time it was the Westinghouse Awards, which then I guess became Intel and now or mm-hmm. something else. And but the the Westinghouse awards, which I never th- applied for or I I can't even remember if I knew anybody who won one, <laughs> but there was this sense of pride there, and I think that my sense of pride for high school easily surpasses any other educational institution I have ever attended. H- happy to go to college and graduate school, but I don't feel that nearly the same sense of affection. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm the guy planning all the reunions for my high school class. Like I'm, I drank the Kool Aid a long <laughs> time ago.
1: So let's go into the classroom. Uh w- are there any teachers or classes
0: that stick out as particular? Oh yeah, school? for sure. It's Richard Schweidel. Mm-hmm. Schweidel was the was the funny one. He the school sort of, I guess, generally kind of left of center. Schweidel was uh, kind of a a bit of a of a of a conservative ideologue. And mm-hmm. although he taught class from a textbook and was straightforward about it, he would often sort of let slide these sarcastic snide comments about anybody or anything that he objected to he he would have not really quite like a Trump voter but he was constantly sort of poking fun at at people and groups and he loved Arnold Schwarzenegger I don't entirely know why but he every year he did the Arnold Schwarzenegger paper and it was you got extra credit if you did this paper on a subject you had to previously approve it with him I don't even remember all the details but Would it was it just it had
1: to be Arnold Center no 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 it was it, it
0: was it, it had I don't even know actually why he named it that it's <laughs> not entirely clear but he was such a character and so and so strange but but like a good teacher it, we we all liked him even in, though he was kind of irascible and mm. and and kind of a grouch he, he was very funny and sarcastic and kind of a lovable grouch kind of way um yeah. I don't yeah. think he ever said anything that was going to be offensive to make someone feel bad regardless of their ethnic identity but he liked to sort of describe students and it's just kind of oh this class is so weak and you guys are so lame and when I was a kid you know uphill in the snow both ways kind of thing so and uh he also I remember he gave everybody extra credit if you wore any other color socks but white so he had dress up day where he wanted to see if you could actually like clean up
1: yeah pushing you know? people to do things a little differently. so this, this
0: he cool. was he was I, I mean he made quite an impression he was really funny mm. I liked him a lot
1: mm. how about other students anyone in particular whether just because you were impressed by them or people who were real characters like who stick out in your mind so the coolest
0: kid in our class was Cyrus Sink
1: man I could see the reverence in your eyes he was
0: just I I picked up he lived like a block away from me and I picked up music from him and, and style, like how to dress. Like he just he was just so he I just wanted to grow up and be Cyrus one day. Yeah. And um it kind of sad. He uh he was dating a girl in our class and she was she was killed by a bus and it, it changed him, it bought him inward. Mm. Because even though he seemed like this older dude, he was still like, you know, fourteen right. or fifteen and I lost touch with him. I didn't see him for years. And then he just came to our our most recent 25th reunion. Mm. Um, and he looked changed. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know the details. I heard just, you know, rumors of substance abuse. And he seemed like he was together that night. And and so maybe that's just a rumor. Um, shortly after that, he actually developed cancer and he died. Mm. And I remember just being so astonished that someone who had all this vitality yeah. and this energy and this positive just aura was gone it shook me almost as as much as you know losing a a a family member it was so and and it's not like we were close i mean you know when we graduated high school i think i was like hey cyrus take it easy you know and and i don't i don't think i saw him or spoke to him for a quarter century and it's funny he actually even said he's like hey dan and i i i didn't recognize him right away he said it's it's me it's cyrus and i i said my god i how are you? And he said, oh, I'm okay. He's like, you know, I've been outside for almost an hour working up the courage to come inside. Mm. And I thought Cyrus, you were like the coolest right. human alive. I right. mean, you did the
1: jukebox thing. With yeah. Your yeah. You were like Fonzie uh,
0: from happy days. I mean, he was just, and the fact that he was nervous about coming in to see us made me realize that maybe it always been that way. And yeah. there was just a whole kind of, you know, shell that he had created in this persona. And
1: I felt sad. I felt, I felt like I wish I had known him better and mm. known him more. I've had instances similar. It's a different kind of shaken up, right? It's not. Of course, you feel for the individual, but it's also like, yeah, it's the shaking up of an idea in your mind of who someone was at fourteen. Which then, at least for me, like shakes up who I think I was at fourteen because you're in relation right. to them, and then it it pulls the foundation out from under it a little bit. I mean, he
0: was immortal, right? I mean, of the twenty five years that have passed, there were mm-hmm. probably about six seven hundred of us in our who graduated. You know, we've we've lost a few, several folks. Yeah. From most of them, from you know, diseases and um, organ failure and you know, the things that affect humans as they get right.
1: older. It's just the way it goes. Cyrus is the one that really threw me. I just couldn't mm. believe that. You know, as someone who lives a few blocks from where you grew up, and obviously the physical streets have changed, so the how the city looks and operates has changed so much. Um, when you look at the Upper West Side and you think about how you moved through it as a 15-year-old, is there anything that feels like a loss to you? Well, I mean, I think this
0: is especially because it's my work. Right. Is the is the lack of affordability? Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, and my my mom still lives in a rent controlled apartment. Mm-hmm. And back then, we were a little pioneery because the building that we moved into had been on a block full of single room occupancy right. hotels that had been um, had a reputation and um, had a lot of people who would loiter around outside. And uh, I mean it. Was generally safe, but it didn't feel kind of safe all the time. Like I was warned a lot to make sure to try and be in before dark, and you know, call them if I'm walking home at, late at night. And and now, I mean, those SROs are gone they their luxury condominiums, and a number of buildings have been demolished, and gigantic new condo towers have replaced them, and they're all fantastically expensive and way out of reach. Of right. uh, certainly, if my parents, if my parents couldn't move into the neighborhood that we live in now absent the rent control department that my mom and dad were able to get when I was a kid. And I think that that's the sense of loss is that the, the neighborhood I grew up in has become so much um, wealthier. And although it's in some degree, it's, it's safer. uh, It's also become safer for a a group of people um, that wasn't the people who sort of kept it going or kept it alive. Most of the folks feel new, uh,
1: In, in taking that and thinking about science, which, of course, uh, you know, class plays out in all kinds of different ways there. But it was, I think, in relationship to other institutions that I've been in a space where even if the dynamics of it were playing out in different ways, there was a range of folks coming from uh, different amounts of money across the city in a way that I think is, if not unique, uh, kind of remarkable that people just share that space every day. Thinking about that and thinking about the the ways that the city's changed, um, what do you think is lost from a neighborhood or an institution when things become homogenized like that? In
0: well, addition
1: to just people not having somewhere to live. Speaking about
0: the school, uh, more specifically, I, I think the challenge for for science is that because its reputation is so strong, they, they pull from two pools of people, um, wealthy upper class, which tend to be white, Mm -hmm. and um, vigorous immigrant class, which tend to be Asian. And although there are middle school white kids, poor white kids, and non-Asian children of color who go to science, the recent statistics I saw, it's kind of abysmal. It's dropped. I mean, I, I think it was about... 10%, 10% 10%, 10% black and Latino when I was in high school, it felt that way. I mean, I certainly felt diverse. Um, it, it felt mixed. Uh, mm. And I was part of lots of groups. Like I, I, had, I had friends of all different shapes and sizes and I like that. Um, it feels a little bit more homogenous now. Mm. Um, and as I've gotten older and I see how institutional forces, which are so much greater than an individual, can shape and change a school... Like the test should be offered to every kid. Like that that should be mandatory. Every kid when they graduate junior high school should be taking the test for science and Stuyvesant. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just the academics. It's also kids don't take the test. And right. kids who don't take the test often tend to be poorer and they tend to be children of color. So you wind up um, having kids who might actually benefit from going to the school and would get in to the school not even taking the test to get in. And right. um, And then also there's... Non-institutional forces which change it, which is the wealth that can hire tutors and okay. uh, and can give kids a leg up that other kids don't have. I did prep courses through junior right. high school. Right. I I prepped for all of those exams. I mean, it was maybe a year or six months or so. Now I think I think it's like a decade. I mean, it's really like an industry. But that makes me feel bad because it feels like it's kind of gaming a system which right. should really be based on merit, not based on you know access to capital or access to resources. Right there's been a larger discussion about the benefits of specialized high schools. And I still think they play a strong role in, in the city. Uh, you know, there's cumulatively, if you just take the three specialized Bronx science, Stuyvesant and tech, and, uh, that's every year they graduate, I don't know, let's say cumulatively 2000 kids. And let's just for and say give every kid two parents or two, two people in their lives, whether it's a grandparent or anybody else. So you have 2,000 kids plus another 4,000 people. So every year, 6,000 people see the benefit of public education. Mm. And, you know, over over 10 years, that's 60,000 people. And, yeah, a lot of them, like me, uh, you know, stay in the city or move away from their neighborhoods. But the fact is you, you build a whole constituency of people that feel committed to public education. And if you got rid of the specialized high schools, a lot of those kids would figure it out. They'd go to their local high school or they'd go to private school. Maybe there'd be some charter school that might try and fill the gap. Right. But it would diminish the commitment to public education mm-hmm. by having this core of well-educated, um, connected kids who sort of got a value out of public education. So the, you know, that, that question for me has long since been settled. We absolutely mm-hmm. have to preserve them. Uh, mm-hmm. How we make it a little bit more equitable for kids to reach them is, is, a, is a question. Uh, yeah. it, was a, it, it was and is a marvelous place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have uh, I, very... Good, strong, you know, feelings for the school and
1: enough to organize the reunions. Even look at that. God.
0: Thirtieth <laughs> is coming up in two years. Folks,
1: show up. Return his emails. Return his emails. Oh my God. <laughs>